You are listening to Real Men Feel with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but all men can benefit from. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. Now, we're recording this show uh, mid-March of 2020, and the coronavirus is really all that is being talked about, and news is just breaking by the hour, and there's a lot of fear and stress and anxiety happening uh, around the planet. And for entrepreneurs, for the self-employed, for someone that works alone, those fears and anxieties can be extra potent. And those fears and anxieties are there even in times when there's not some global contagion that's kind of uh, sweeping the world. And that's what we're going to talk about today. My guest today is Stu Minchu. He's a founder and CEO of the Unleashed Startup, where he equips entrepreneurs with tools and strategies to manage and overcome fear, anxiety, and burnout. Very fitting. He's also a facilitator for Co-Starters, a program that equips aspiring entrepreneurs to turn their passions into a sustainable and thriving endeavor and Vice President of Innovation for an international nonprofit organization focused on community and economic development. Welcome to the show, Stu. Well, thank you, Andy. I'm happy to be here, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, you, you've got quite uh, a resume. That It's a very <laughs> impressive, uh, brief, a very impressive brief bio. You've you got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's a lot to manage at times. I had to, you know, be careful so I don't get stressed out and anxious about stuff. So, you know, I've had, I've had to be real focused on what are the things that I do, what are the things that are important to me. Um, but yeah, I try to fit as much stuff as I can in there and also have time to spend with my wife and kids and make sure that, you know, they're an important part of my life as well. So, so cool. I have, have had to learn, you know, through my own practice, how to, how to manage my own self and my own fear and stress and anxiety. So that was kind of my first question is how did you discover the lack of mental health support for entrepreneurs? Was it, were you in the mental health field and noticing it? Were you an entrepreneur and feeling it or? Yeah. So I started as an entrepreneur. So I'll, I'll kind of go back and tell some of my story. So, you know, kind of right after college, um, me and my wife ended up moving overseas um, to help with a program that would end up um, turning into a business over in East Africa and, and Nairobi, Kenya. And so did that. Um, for a few years and, and experienced a lot of success, um, you know, starting that business, getting that up and going, um, had a brief stint where he came back to the U.S. and I worked with my father-in-law's business, kind of helping him grow that. We were able to sell that um, and then moved back to Kenya and started another business um, and ran that for a couple of years. And so then in 2015, um, you know, my wife and our two boys, we moved back to the States um, and moved to the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. And uh, I, about a year into it, you know, I've, I, was, I started working at the nonprofit that I work for now. And they're doing incredible work. But at the same time, I was, I was, you know, feeling a little bit of loss of that sense of identity of, you know, I've been an entrepreneur ever since I graduated from college. I've been starting things. You know, I'm, I, I kind of lost that when we moved back to the U.S. And so I said, OK, well, let me see if I can kind of dip my toes back in the water, start something up and going. And so around 2016, um, I tried to get a new business up and going. And uh, it just it was new to me, Internet space, trying to figure all that out. And I just hit a brick wall. 
and just started to struggle and really doubt my abilities as an entrepreneur, started questioning, you know, maybe these things I did before were just luck, you know, was it, was it really, um, was it really, you know, my skill set? And so I just got stuck and couldn't move forward and was trying to figure out what was going on. You know, I, I grew up, you know, with the, this kind of mentality, like you're a man, you just got to tough it out, stick through it. You know, don't tell anybody about your feelings, just suck it up and get it done. Pull, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I was trying that and it just wasn't working. You know, I just couldn't move forward and got stuck. And so at the time, our kids, um, you know, they had, we had moved back to the U.S. So they were in a new culture now. We had gone from being homeschooled to having them in, you know, full-time school. So they were experiencing a, a lot of anxiety and stress. And so me and my wife went to get help from a counselor on how to, how to deal with some of that. And we're, you know, helping them work through the issues. And I saw them start to make progress. And so I said, you know, maybe I can take some of these things and apply them to what I'm experiencing as an entrepreneur. And so took some of those strategies and things, and that started to help me deal with some of that fear, that anxiety, that stress um, that I was feeling. And it did some great things. But then I said, but, but then I've got to move forward too. And so I said, you know, there's surely there have to be other entrepreneurs struggling with this. And I had done some consulting and coaching for other entrepreneurs. And so I knew that they had some of these types of issues um, but really wanted to dive into it and see, okay, how, how big is the extent of the problem? Are people experiencing it the way I am, you know, you know, getting to the point where they can't move forward, they're feeling stuck. And as I started diving into the research, saw how big of a problem it really is out there. And just noticing, you know, from the research, you know, find out that, you know, entrepreneurs are two times more likely than the average person to suffer from depression. They're three times more likely to suffer some, from substance abuse, you know, twice as uh, more likely to have suicidal thoughts than the average person. So really seeing that, hey, there's an issue out there and are there any resources? And I started looking around and there weren't really any resources that I could find. I found one organization that was really kind of starting to look into this issue, but, or, or, you know, with entrepreneurs, but wasn't really doing a whole lot. Um, so I was able to kind of glean from what they were learning and say, okay, there's a big issue out there. There's a problem. It's a problem that I'm struggling with. I know other entrepreneurs are struggling with. There seems to be a gap. I want to go out there and I want to, you know, help other entrepreneurs who are struggling, especially men, you know, who tend to, this seems to be a hard thing for them to, to deal with and to admit and to work through and, and overcome. And so, you know, all that came to fruition around, you know, the end of 2017, beginning of 2018 and um, really got going kind of the middle of last year saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready to do this. I feel like I've got a lot of good, you know, content. I've, I've learned a lot of stuff. I've got some things that can help entrepreneurs move forward. Um, so let's dive into this and start working with, with fellow entrepreneurs and kind of helping them manage and overcome these issues of fear, anxiety, and burnout. Cool. Cool. Mm, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, back to the, the, the early business success right out of college. And so you, you go to Kenya, you create something brand new, you come back to the States, help build your father-in-law's business. And were, were those similar? Like, was it the same type of business each of these situations? No. So my first business I created was around team and leadership development. 
So we would do, you know, kind of team building exercises with groups, take them out for a half day, you know, up to, you know, kind of sometimes two or three days working with a team and mostly corporations. So a lot of different types of businesses. But when I came back to the States, my father-in-law's business was the automotive parts industry. And so, you know, it's a totally different business, but I was able to take some of my operational and financial knowledge and kind of apply it to his business and start to improve things and start to be able to, you know, grow our profit margins and things like that. So totally new business. Um, but was able to apply some of the things I've already learned, but it was still a very, you know, face-to-face business. We were, you know, seeing our customers on a daily basis, having those types of interactions. Um, so even though there were different industries, there were some, some similarities that I was able to apply in both of them. Cool. And then returned to Kenya and you did, you went to Kenya for the second time and you didn't just pick up mm-hmm. that existing business. You started fresh with something else. Yeah, so I started a consulting firm. So this time, you know, similar, we're working on issues of leadership and team, but really looking at executives. Um, and so helping them develop their leadership skills, helping them kind of form their executive team um, to be able to rather better run their business and, and grow their businesses. And so when you came back to the States, you first, so I know you, you noticed the anxiety in your in your sons, were you feeling your own at that point too? Or was it only, were you only seeing it in, in others? No, I mean, definitely. I was, I was definitely feeling it, but it probably at the time I wouldn't have been able to put the words around it, what I was feeling. I knew there was something wrong, some things that, you know, even, even though my, I was seeing it lived out in my kids, you know, I was experiencing it internally as well. And so was my wife, you know, just kind of being back and, Yes, it's a culture we grew up in, but after you've been outside the the U.S. and then returned, um, you can have a lot of culture shock coming back. And so there were issues arising that that we were having to deal with. And like I said, at the time, I I couldn't really put my finger on what those things were. I really wasn't in touch with those feelings um, as as well as I I would have liked to have been and been able to identify what exactly I was experiencing. Um, So I just kind of, you know, like I said, just kind of, you know, put those things aside and try to move forward as best I could. Cool. Yeah. My, my first big international trip was actually to, to Kenya and the first, you know, flyover from, from Boston and we're in Nairobi mm-hmm. and the culture shock really threw me. I was not expecting it, but not recognizing anything mm-hmm. and having people around me speaking languages. I couldn't recognize a single word. Like, oh, what are they saying? And I just thought everyone's <laughs> out to get me and I can't trust anybody. And I was like, my wife had traveled a lot and she was really concerned. I was just going to freak out and not enjoy, but it took like 24 hours. But I'm like, all right, I'm finally cool. But it was mm-hmm. like the chaos of downtown Nairobi just kept off a plane into this. Um, but yeah, I can imagine it going back and forth and for, for people of different ages too. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I find it interesting that, you talked about how you brought up in traditional male role and you just suck it up and keep going and that you could see your children needed help and you got them help. So it was that traditional male protector, but yeah, you couldn't admit that, wow, I think I need some help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was something totally new for me. And, you know, is yeah. And it took a lot of conversations, you know, especially with me and my wife to say, okay, you know, we're to the point where we're kind of, you know, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to help them work through this and we need some help. 
because um, we know it's not healthy for them to just continue in this, you know, kind of fear, anxiety, this stress that they're experiencing. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's eventually to the point where I got, where, hey, what I've learned, you know, what I learned growing up is not working. So I need help from somebody else who can help me deal with some of these things. Um, because, you know, the example that my you know father and grandfather set for me, those strategies aren't working with my reality in this situation. Were there any specific strategies you were passed on or was it just like, don't feel anything? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was just don't feel anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean, that's how our, our household was growing up. You know, even my mom, my, both my mom and dad were, you know, the, the, really the only emotion you're allowed to feel is anger. Mm-hmm. And that's when someone doesn't agree with you and that's an okay feeling. But you know, if you're sad about something, you know, if you're afraid of something, you don't ever admit that, especially outside of the family. And you just got to suck it up and move on with it and get on with your life. And, and what did you notice working for your sons that you thought, wow, maybe I can use this? Yeah. So a lot of it, you know, some of it was kind of very specific things. So just, you know, sitting down and kind of taking some, some deep breaths. And, you know, when you're starting to fear that, feel that fear and anxiety rise up, just taking a minute, you know, acknowledge it, kind of slow down and say, okay, I just need to, to, settle down and breathe and take a few deep breaths as well. Um, Getting moving too, you know, getting outside, you know, one of the things that was best for our kids was getting outside and just playing, you know, moving, you know, kind of shaking that, you know, that getting that fear and anxiety out of your system. Um, And so I learned that with me, I learned that exercise really made a huge difference. If I'm willing to go out and exercise every day, even if just for a few minutes, that makes a huge difference on how I feel throughout the day. So it was some of those things like that. Um, Some of it was, you know, kind of more took some time to kind of really understand it. Um, So a lot of it was around issues of identity. Um, And so I've I've seen that some of my kids, you know, especially our oldest son, he very much identifies as being an international person, Um, you know, is very comfortable. We still try to travel as a family overseas and he's very comfortable in doing that. And so kind of coming here and saying, okay, now you have to live in this city, go to this school and do, you know, you know, do things that everybody else is doing was hard for him because he didn't identify with the, the, the other kids and things that they were interested in. And I realized that was true of me as an entrepreneur. You know, I identified very closely with my business. And if my business was doing well, I felt like I was doing well. If my business was doing poorly, I felt like things were a mess um, and had to realize that I'm an entrepreneur, but that's only a small part of who I am. You know, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother. And being able to lean into those things and saying, yeah, I've got this business and I need to manage it and take care of it. But I also have these other relationships that are important to me. And I need to make sure I'm spending time focusing on those and that they're keeping, uh, they're staying healthy. And then that gives, that puts me in a position where I can, you know, develop, you know, spend some of my time working on the business with a healthy mindset and uh, being able to go through that. And so that's, that's one of the biggest issues that I was struggling with. And I see entrepreneurs struggling with as well is that just sense of identity that they identify with their business and not really who they are as a whole person. Right. So the, uh, the success of a business, the success of, of some really non-human thing, this, this nebulous uh, idea and facts and figures and services and being so tied to that can be really good at times. But yeah, uh, a business not doing as well as you want doesn't mean that you as a person 
aren't doing as well as you want or does, doesn't have to mean that. Hmm. Yeah. I was going to say there are a lot of factors outside of your business that you can't control and right. you just got to identify with that. Like, like right, right now you can't control the coronavirus and that's going to have an effect on a lot of businesses. And that doesn't mean that they're not real well, well run. That doesn't mean that the entrepreneurs aren't skilled. It's just something outside of your control um, that, that you really can't help. And just to be able to acknowledge that, not to say that you don't make a decision to do something in response to that, but know that that doesn't define who you are. Right. So was identification or something else one of the biggest challenges or was admitting you needed help even bigger challenge? Yeah. So I think probably, I think probably the first one was that admitting help, like that I needed someone to help me and I couldn't do it on my own. Um, that I was only going to continue to be stuck. Um, and, and that needing to go out and find somebody who could help me, you know, work through some of these issues. I think that was kind of the biggest first step that I had to take. And is that, is that a common issue that you see in entrepreneurs that are struggling? Yeah, I think a lot of them, you know, have identified that they're struggling, but kind of have that same mindset. There's a, you know, I there's a, a kind of a toxic culture of entrepreneurship out there. And I talk about it in some of the things that I speak about and write about of how entrepreneurs are kind of supposed to spend, you know, 80 hours a week, you know, a hundred hours a week on their business, get it done, push it forward, do whatever it takes. But no one talks about, Hey, you need to take time to take care of yourself. Hmm. Or no one talks about, Hey, you need to take time to take care of these other relationships that you have. And so that was the same thing that I heard, you know, so that compounding what I heard growing up with this culture of entrepreneurship is you go out there and you kill yourself to get your business up and going at the, you know, and sacrifice everything else to make that happen. Sacrifice your finances, sacrifice your relationships, sacrifice your time. Um, and, but that's just not a healthy way to work. And a lot of entrepreneurs can't function well in that type of environment and see a lot of burnout, a lot of fear and stress and anxiety coming up. And so that was the same for me is that, you know, i I thought that, hey, I'm supposed to go out there, work as hard as I can, sacrifice everything. And if it's not working, then I must be doing it wrong. Right. And so I had to get to the point where, no, that's not the case. This this narrative that I'm being told is not the right story. And if I go out there and get some help, then I'm going to be able to do approach some of these things in a healthy mindset. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, with all that said, and that, that's certainly my experience and the experience of others I know too that it's it's no surprise at all that there's that double the risk of of depression suicidal thoughts and triple the risk of substance abuse because yeah we're you can literally be so driven that you're driving yourself to to sickness mm -hmm. yeah hmm. prior to kind of this this challenge of business and identity had had you had mental health challenges in your in your life um not that I could put, you know, not, I wouldn't say that, you know, I'd experienced uh, uh, a lot of deep depression. And a lot of that was because I had taken those feelings and kind of put them aside and just kind of moved on. And so what I feel and what I'm learning now is there was a lot of things that, you know, growing up that I felt that I didn't really deal with and they're impacting, you know, some of the decisions, some of the ways I work now and uh, finding a healthy way to kind of deal with those things um, and kind of bring those things back up, you know, experience those emotions, kind of being able to talk about those things um, and deal with them in a healthy way. You know, me and my wife are, are both learning these lessons 
um, so that I can now move forward and be in a better mindset to make decisions, understand, hey, you know, in the past I've made a decision this way and now I understand why I was making that decision. Is that okay? Or do I need to make things, decisions differently moving forward? Um, so yeah, so I would say probably in the past, it's kind of hard because I, I definitely experienced a lot of emotions, but definitely, but suppressed them thinking that those things weren't healthy. Those things weren't something I was supposed to feel. So I was really good about, you know, burying those things down deep and just kind of sucking it up and moving forward. Um, and now, you know, feeling some of the repercussions of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I find. And like, every, we all have emotions, whether we think so or not, and you know, they will be felt. And, you know, just because, uh, you don't have some recognizable, you know, episode of depression or anxiety or not giving it a name, the, um, eventually it comes out. And it, it, whether emotions are, you know, positive or negative, you know, I've, I've talked to lots of guys who were taught that, you know, they couldn't express joy when, when, with great news, they weren't even allowed to celebrate. And, or as you said, it was anger was kind of the, the one emotion you were allowed. And so, I don't know, did you, you know, mm-hmm. happy birthday. Ah, oh, why'd you say that to me? <laughs> like, I don't know. How did, how did you deal with good news and celebration at that point? Like, was that just not allowed? Was it just not present? Yeah, I would say that, yeah, we'd, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of joy in our household. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of the reality mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, I wouldn't say we didn't celebrate, but there was always, you know, celebration is very quick and you do it. And, and now you move forward. Like even yeah. I remember in sports, it was a lot of, you know, if we went out there and had a good game, it was like, yeah, you did well, but okay, now these are the things you need to work on. These are the things you need to be improved. And so that was very much our mindset of, yeah, celebrate, but there's always things that you could do better. There's always things you can improve and you need to focus on those. Yeah. What I find to be a horrible goal of, of horrible goal of, of always chasing perfection. So nothing is ever good enough. You there's no, yeah, there's no celebration. There's no good job, even internally to yourself, which can be more important than anyone else saying it. But if, yeah, if we don't yeah. give ourselves a break, discover that we're more than this one thing we're chasing, it's, uh, it can be a really horrible ride. You, you talked about really How learning to, to express your emotions and share your emotions. And you're talking about with your mm-hmm. wife. When you're in business, perhaps your wife isn't part of the business or perhaps you're, you're not married, would, would you advise really openly discussing emotions with people you work with? Yeah. So that's a kind of a, a balance you have to figure out. One of the things that I think is important is finding that community of people that you can share with. And so it may not, you know, you, you have to kind of fill it out of what do you feel like you can share with your colleagues or with your employees. Um, I think if you can develop that kind of um, culture and atmosphere, I think that can be really healthy and especially them seeing you as a leader um, that is open about your struggles and things you're, you're, you know, things that you're dealing with, decisions you're having to make. But I, I realize that that's not always a safe place for entrepreneurs to be able to do that. And so if that's not the case, and I suggest finding, you know, a community of entrepreneurs that you can openly share with. And that's been really helpful to me to find that community of other people who are saying, yeah, I'm struggling with those same things. You know, cause it helps us a lot of times we feel like, Oh, I'm the only one who's experiencing this. It seems like everybody else has it together. You know, I don't, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm an imposter. Um, 
So if you can find that community of people who are in that same situation and experiencing those same things, you can figure out, wow, I'm not the only person who's struggling with these things, having these types of thoughts. And these are things that we can openly talk about together. Mm-hmm. So I really stress that that's one of the most important things entrepreneurs can do is find that community that is a safe space where you can express some of those things that you're dealing with and some of those things you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. And are, you, are there kind of national organizations that can fit that community that you can recommend? Yeah, so one of the things that's been really helpful to me is an organization called One Million Cups, and uh, they're in a lot of different cities. Um, they have a website that you can, you know, Google and find their organization. But here in Chattanooga, they meet every Wednesday morning, and we just have a, you know, uh, some entrepreneur in the community kind of share their business and you know share what they're doing, how they got started, and then open it up to questions that people have. Um, but then we also network together kind of before and afterwards. And then some weeks when we don't have someone presenting, we just kind of talk about different issues and struggles that we're dealing with. Um, so that's been a great opportunity for me. Um, so that's, you know, one kind of organization, but, you know, I've been able to have a lot of friendships, people I can sit down with, go and grab coffee with, who I can share these things that I'm struggling with, you know, especially if I'm, I'm having really hard decisions or if I'm seeing that the business things are start to, you know, take me to an unhealthy place uh, mentally. And so I can be able to share with those and be able to work through that with somebody else. Cool. Cool. You know, we've uh, mentioned burnout a few times and I wonder if you, if you, how would you define burnout? Yeah. So I think there's a few different phases of burnout that I've noticed with people that I'm working with. And so those different phases is, it starts with exhaustion. So that's one of the, the first signs that you're kind of headed towards being burned out is just, even though you might get a good night's sleep, you just feel like you just don't have the energy that you should. Um, so that's kind of that first level. The second one is that lack of motivation. Um, like you, not only do you not have, you feel exhausted that you don't have the energy, but you're having a hard time getting motivated to actually carry out the work that you've done and work that's excited you in the past. You just no longer have that excitement to be able to go out there and do that work. Um, and then that third, the third kind of phase is feeling ineffective. And so I think that motivation kind of leads to that feeling of ineffective. You feel like you're not able to get these things done. And because of that, things are starting to suffer. Things in your business are starting to suffer. Your relationships are starting to suffer. So you're just feeling that ineffectiveness. And then that last sign is becoming frustrated and cynical. Um, And so that could be about your business. It could be about your relationships, but that's when you start to point fingers at people for, you know, different things that are happening. So if your business starts to fail, you know, you're feeling, you know, like you're being ineffective, but then you also start pointing the fingers at other people and saying, Hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I'm frustrated. You know, I'm mad, you know, and that starts to carry over to your other relationships as well. When I'm going home, you know, I'm noticing that I'm getting angry with my wife, you know, over small things or angry with my kids over really small things. Um, I'm just blowing up at them for no reason. That's kind of that, that fourth phase is when you get frustrated you become cynical and that just starts to kind of flow out of you into your business relationships, but also into your personal relationships as well. And so that's kind of how I see entrepreneurs kind of feeling and experiencing burnout. You know, I think for entrepreneurs, and it certainly was the case for me, it's tough to distinguish 
business relationships and personal relationships when 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 mm. you are your business and yeah. especially if you're a solo <laughs> entrepreneur you really are your business and if your identity mm. is is too tied to it if you, you could be leaving leading a larger organization but still see that as your identification so you know mm-hmm. is 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 do you, do you think it's is is it best to have a sharp line between business and friendships or is it okay to be kind of nebulous yeah i think uh, I think you're gonna, you know, especially as you mentioned, if you're a one person, you know, solo entrepreneur, you're going to have that kind of nebulous. Um, but there's gotta be, there's gotta be lines that you can kind of clearly distinguish. And so some of those relationships might blur, but you know, I've noticed there's gotta be times when I stop work and come home and give my wife and my kids my full attention. Um, and I've struggled with that in the past. I've noticed that there are times when, you know, things start to slow down at home where I'm quick to pull that computer out and start sending emails and things like that. And I've learned that that's not healthy. Um, because you know, my, my wife and my kids feel like they're not getting the, the attention that they deserve from me. And this, I've noticed that that just starts to hurt that relationship with them. And so for some of these relationships, there are going to be those clear cut okay, at this time, on this day, this is when I stop doing my work. And this is when I put my attention elsewhere towards my wife, towards my kids, you know, towards my friends, these other relationships that I have. And as much as I can try to during that time, not identify myself with my work that I'm doing. Not to say that, you know, there are, you know, as an entrepreneur, we know there's going to be times when Yes, there's a, maybe an email that you have to answer or a phone call that you have to answer. But as much as you can, try to put that to the side and, and be able to focus on these other relationships as much as you can. Because if you don't, then that's going to start leading towards, you know, these relationships um, starting to suffer and start moving you towards those, those different stages of burnout that we yeah. talked about. Is, is there a common end result of, of burnout that is not addressed? Is there a common kind of end stage yeah i mean the i mean if you if you continue in that eventually it's going to be you just can't continue doing what you're doing um and so that either means you know for some people that looks like you know they can no longer manage their business and they have to sell it or they have to close their doors um, and go get you know a different job or, or kind of figure out a different path and that's what I'm trying to avoid with these entrepreneurs is let's, let's head it off before you get to that state mm-hmm. where you, you can no longer function and you have no desire to do this business and is, is tearing apart your personal relationships. Let's keep you from getting to that point. And so those are the kinds of end results that I, that I want to see avoided with the entrepreneurs that I work cool. with. And regardless of which phase someone is in, can, can you help and, and recover and turn something around? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. And so, you know, I want to, I want to identify what phase they're at um, because that's going to, you know, determine, you know, how we go about approaching that. But yeah, I, you know, one of the things I talk about is burnout prevention. You know, there are things you can do, even if you're not in phase one, you know, in that exhaustion phase of burnout, there are things that you can start to do to even help prevent you from getting to that point. Um, because there are going to be times as an entrepreneur when things get stressful and things get tough. But if you're doing, if you're being proactive and do, putting in place the things now that you can do, it's going to keep it from when those stressful, um, those hard times come about um, from impacting you significantly. And so that's why I really encourage entrepreneurs is be proactive about that. Even though you're not feeling it right now, you need to be putting in these things to help you when you do encounter those 
tough and difficult times so that you don't start to slip towards burnout. You don't let that fear and anxiety start to overwhelm you and diminish your creativity. So we are definitely in, I was going to say the beginning of it, and hopefully this proves to be we're in the middle towards the end of, of a time of, of stress and crisis with, with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking about this, uh, different celebrities and sports figures and politicians are testing positive for the virus. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe every, every sports league has stopped playing which means the shutting down of arenas and conferences are being canceled. Just many things are going to online versions if they possibly can. Uh, we're being told to keep social distance of three to six feet from people. Mm-hmm. So at a time like this, which is, is raising the stress anxiety for everyone, um, especially an entrepreneur, what can you do to kind of get ahead of it and, and keep taking care of yourself? Yeah. So I think there's some key things you have to make sure. And, and, you know, at when times like this come about, our, our initial reaction is usually, okay, I've got to work on it. I've got to figure it out. You know, I've got to make sure that things are in place and there's true, that's true, but you don't want to neglect the things that are going to help you do that well. And so, you know, there's three aspects. So making sure you're taking care of yourself physically, you know, that tends to be the first thing to get thrown out the window is I don't have time to work out in the morning. I've got all these problems. I've got to deal with them. But if you take that time to, you know, just be active, whether, you know, whatever works best for you, whether that's in the morning or in the afternoon, that's going to clear up your thinking for the rest of the day. And so you've got to make sure that you're still making time for that. You may have to change it up. You may have to adjust it, but make sure that that's still a priority, you know, and if, if, you know, then that could be eating well, you know, if, if that's how you choose to approach it. Um, so making sure that you're keeping, keeping active, making sure that you're having a good diet and then kind of making sure that you're, you're mentally focused, that you, you're taking care of your mental health. So, you know, whether that's, you know, taking that time to meditate in the morning or praying in the morning, whether you're journaling, you know, whether you're one of my favorite things is taking naps. And I know that that's one of the, the first things that I'm tempted to throw out the window, but I've noticed that when I take a nap after lunch, it makes me much more productive throughout the afternoon. And so I'm tempted to throw that out the window. But if I do, I know that my afternoon is not going to be as productive as it could be if I don't make that time. So, yeah. So how are you taking care of yourself mentally and then emotionally? You know, making sure that you're taking that time to spend with your community, with your friends, being able to talk about stuff. You know, for some people, maybe, you know, make sure you're taking time to just listen to music. Um, And then the biggest thing is just having self-compassion. You know, in times like these, it's tough. That doesn't, you know, that's not going to define who you are, as we talked about. That's something that's outside of your control. And so just acknowledge, like, yes, this is going to be a hard time. You know, everything, every decision I'm going to make is probably not going to be the right decision, but hopefully I'm going to learn from it and we're going to be able to move forward. Um, So just, you know, so taking care of that emotional state, like I said, spending time with your community, with friends, listening to music and really being compassionate on yourself to say, hey, this is something that I didn't cause. And I'm going to try to go out there and do my best. Probably not everything I'm not going to do is going to be the best decision, but we're going to learn from that and move forward. I think as mm-hmm. a as an entrepreneur and and even as, as a man that doesn't feel as good as they want to, you can you can fall in the place of like no one else feels this way. I'm the only person that feels this horrible, or I'm the only person with this fear, with this anxiety. Mm-hmm. But right now, everyone has it to some level. 
because there really is this this yeah. big looming thing beyond our control. And, you know, the news is changing seemingly by the hour, sometimes by the minute even. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, I do think it's important to, to realize that and to still reach out and keep that community and keep those lines of communication, even if it's, you know, it's all just Skype and Zoom and, and Facebook mm-hmm. is the way we now connect, but d- take that time to connect. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there. I think it's, you know, with, you know, businesses, you know, closing their doors, you know, schools and things like that, you know, working from home, it's going to be really easy to get kind of isolated. But I think you made a good point of, you know, taking time to reach out with friends, even if it's just a phone call, even if it's just a Zoom call or something like that, I think that's really going to be important to continue to connect with people and be able to share what you're feeling, what you're struggling with. Um, That's going to be a, a you know, incredibly healthy thing for people to do. Yeah. And it may be hard for, for, uh, for men, for dads, for parents, for leaders, for business owners. But I think it's now especially important to be honest and open about what you're right about, about your fear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this, this uh, is really not a time to pretend everything's fine and suck it up only <laughs> to just like, yeah, you're just, this, like to, to live a lie and project a lie and kind of feel that internally. I, I find in my experience that makes it even worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are there constructive ways that you know strategies and tools to kind of use worry and fear as fuel for something better? Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's, there's a healthy level. Um, so so you've got to, you know, identify what's the difference between fear and anxiety. And so, you know, fear is kind of, okay, what well, I'm afraid that something's going to happen to me right now. Um, and for most of us, that's usually not the case. You know, it was, it was definitely true, you know, and with our ancestors who were, you know, you know, they were out in the wilderness, they were having, you know, lions and bears and things, you know, readily attacking them. So there's definitely fear. And we experience it sometime, you know, if there's a car coming at me, you know, I'm going to have a reaction to that fear. Um, so and we have our typical reactions of, you know, fight, flight, or um, freeze. Um, but most of the time, we're not experiencing that direct fear. So it's anxiety. And, and I define that as anxiety is kind of a fear of more fear. We're afraid of something that's going to happen in the future. Um, something that's going to happen to me. Um, so first acknowledging that, that you're not, you know, you're, you're not, there's nothing, harm is not going to come to you immediately, you know, in this situation, but knowing that, Hey, there are these things that I'm afraid are going to happen. What proactive steps can I take to keep them from happening? And so I think there's a healthy level where it becomes unhealthy is when it kind of diminishes your creativity. It keeps you from, being clear headed, making good decisions are just causes you to kind of freeze altogether, you know? And so there's, there's different reactions to that, you know, fight or flight. So there could be that fight. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to keep myself as busy as I can. So I can pretty much ignore these anxieties that I'm having. And so that's an unhealthy way you experience it. It could be the freeze and that's just, I'm going to avoid it altogether. You know, I'm going to pretend like this problem doesn't exist and it's going to you know, keep me stuck and keep me from getting work done. That's an unhealthy way um, to experience it. 
Um, so you've got to figure out, am I, is it, is it helping push me forward? Is it helping me to get things done and I'm handling it in a healthy way? Or is it causing these unhealthy reactions in me? And so if you notice that it's causing these unhealthy reactions, then it definitely needs to be addressed and you need to do something about that to keep it at a healthy and manageable level. Mike mentioned uh, meditation and prayer earlier as, as great steps for your, for your mental, mm-hmm. mental health. And I've often heard, you know, worrying is praying for bad things to happen. <laughs> and so especially at times like this, yeah, and that's really what anxiety is and, in, in, you know, how I see it mm-hmm. too. Like when you're, when like, oh, that bad thing can happen. And they're just focusing on nothing but that. Oh, and so instead of mm-hmm. that could happen, it's like, oh, it's going to happen. Oh, no, that horrible thing is going to happen. And, you know, we can all be, we can, as human beings, we can all be prone to that. But as, especially now, if you're, you know, if you're just watching news nonstop and just mm-hmm. getting yourself with this, with statistics and everything, I would just, you know, take this moment to recognize that how the number of people surviving this virus is much higher than the number of people dying. So, you know, we talk about mortality rates or anything that the, uh, the mm-hmm. success rate is, is, is incredibly high. And so it's, you know, and mm-hmm. that, that's why that that notion about fear, right? So most people I'm seeing, it's not really fear of getting the virus. It's the economic fear. It's the fear of it's the fear of what is fear doing to yeah. to our daily lives <laughs> and things like that. So mm-hmm. you know, it's almost you know we're we're at this point of of potential societal anxiety, mm-hmm. and you know I don't where, where I am, and I don't see it yet in my neighborhoods and people that I see and talk to. I don't I don't see panic in the streets or anything like that yet, but. Um, even if some places it does happen, it's, you know, what can you do about it right now? And are, are, is your family safe? And can, you know, what, what can, can you share how scared you might be or what you're worried about happening, but to, to get you kind of back present and, mm-hmm. and doing what you can, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, again, I hope, hopefully this is, this time proves that we're at the, you know, the middle of this, this chaos and fear, as opposed to the very early stages of it. But you know, it's, it's out of our control Mm -hmm. and that's scary. Yeah, it is. And I think that's where that, that community really makes a difference between, because, you know, like you said, it's, it's definitely raising our anxiety, our fear. And we're like, I've got to keep myself safe. I've got to keep my family safe. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but it's really important during these times to, um, have that community and making sure that you're keeping in touch with people that saying, you know, yeah, it's not only affecting me and I'm not only feeling these things. These are way that people, you know, all throughout my community are feeling and making sure that you're keeping in touch with them and having productive conversations rather than just getting in your own head of what do I need to do to protect myself and my family? But Hey, I'm part of this bigger community. Um, I'm a citizen of, of my, you know, um, I'm, you know, part of my business that may have other employees in it as well. I'm part of a community that's around me. You know, how can I stay in touch with that community during this time so I don't get in my head and I don't freak out and things, you know, get to an unhealthy place as well. Yeah. Whenever, you know, something bad happens to a community, a country, natural disaster, a man-made issues, whatever it is, people come together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think that's going to, you know, rise and, one way that's always helped me break out of a pattern of depression or anxiety is to help someone else to, to find a way to be of mm-hmm. service and realize like, Oh wait, I'm not the only being that matters right now. And what can I do to help someone else to kind of get me out of my own head and to stop that, that swirl that can, that can just take me down. Mm-hmm. And 
so your your nonprofit that you're working with, how how what is the goal of that again, and how is that how are you being of service there? Yeah. So what we're doing through the nonprofit is is we do community and economic development. So we're looking at um, you know communities of materially poor people all around the world and saying how can we help them and how can we help you know improve their um, material state so that they aren't you know a lot of times they're just worrying about how they're going to put food on the table and not knowing where that you know where that food is going to come from and so get them to you know a healthier place where they can be able to provide for their families um, and be able to, you know, be, like you said, be part of the community around them and be part of service to, to other members of their community. And we, you know, we see that happening as a community. We're not just going to focus on one individual. So a lot of times we do programs that are very much co community kind of group based um, to see people coming through and working through these issues together and rising together, you know, out of these, you know, incredibly materially um, poor situations. Um, so we do a, do a lot of that. So our, a lot of our work is focused in, in West Africa, um, but we do work throughout the U.S. as well. Cool. Yeah, that's my question of, of what, what's the scope. So primarily mm -hmm. West Africa, but also here. Cool. cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah. is, is that the job you came, returned to the United States to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, we kind of moved back. We knew that it was time for us to move back to the States and uh, to be kind of closer to our families. And so I was able to get connected to uh, this organization uh, upon moving back. And just my skill set was a good fit for, for what they needed. And so, yes, yeah, so I've been working with them since we moved back in 2015. Like I said, it's a, it's a great organization and I love doing that, but it didn't always allow me to use my entrepreneurial skills. Right. And so I kind of saw, you know, explored you know, avenues to be able to do that. And that's eventually what led me to what I'm doing with the, the Unleashed Startup and kind of helping entrepreneurs with, you know, fear, anxiety, and burnout. Cool. And it, it, for most people that you see, is it always a combination or is, is, it, is it primarily fear? Is it primarily anxiety or, you know, what's, what's the recipe there? Yeah, I would say it's usually a combination. Um, but there could be some people that are just experiencing that anxiety and they haven't, you know, moved towards burnout yet. Um, but yeah, there's usually a, a combination. Usually if someone is experiencing a, a you know, decent amount of anxiety, they're going to be heading towards burnout um, just because that's kind of the, you know, the general way it moves. As I become more anxious, that starts to affect kind of these other things that starts to diminish the enjoyment I'm getting from the work that I'm doing and moving me in those stages of burnout. So yeah, it's usually a combination um, of the two, but sometimes it, it may just be, Hey, I'm just, I'm anxious about a couple of things and I'd love you to help me work through these. Mm -hmm. Cool. And is there a common stage in someone's entrepreneurship, like at the early stages or mid or towards the end that, that these kind of issues are prone to show up? Yeah, so I work with, you know, I work with um, entrepreneurs at all stages, but where I've seen it um, happen the most is usually when an entrepreneur starts to have some success and they have to bring on employees, they have to, you know, maybe move to a new location. That's when I really see it kind of come up the most when it, it comes to them saying, oh, I've now got employees and I have to worry about them and their families and taking care of them. And that's when a lot of that stress, a lot of that burden, um, you know, comes about. 
And so I've seen that's the most, you know, the most common place. Most of the entrepreneurs I work with are at that stage. You know, they're taking on new responsibilities or, you know, growing their facilities, increasing their rent, maybe buying a space, you know, bringing on employees, having to do payroll now, things like that uh, bring up a lot of that stress and start to cause that anxiety amongst mm. entrepreneurs. Yeah, I, I can I can certainly uh, see that potential as someone has the, the tools to maintain their current level. But yeah, if you, mm-hmm. you add people and, and places and multiple locations and yeah, you're, you're upping what you're juggling and perhaps you, you haven't yet up leveled your tools to deal with it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're starting to take on a lot of, a lot of these things. Like most of the times entrepreneurs want to do everything. Um, and so when it gets too big for you to do everything, you know, you've got to bring on someone else, but you still have trouble letting go of those things because a business still defines who you are. And as long as the business defines who you are, you're not going to let go of those things because you say, well, if if I hand it over to someone else and they don't do it well, then they're essentially making me look bad. Mm. Um, So you've really got to, you got to, got to be willing to say that, you know, my business doesn't define me as a whole person. I've got to be willing to let some of those things go and trust other people to be able to come on and take some of those things so that it doesn't get me to that place, to that unhealthy place where I start to burn out. Yeah. So it, it really correlates to that, that resistance and fear of saying, you know, I need help dealing with my own personal stuff. And as I mm-hmm. grow, my business grows, and now my personal stuff is more business stuff and other people's stuff, then it's still that, oh, I'm, a, I'm a resistant to say I need help or that I can, mm-hmm. you know, anyone else can possibly do this as good as I can. And there's a multiple, yeah. <laughs> and it really feels like it's, it's, you know, identification and so many just egoic attachments to different aspects. Yeah, yeah, that really saying, you know, yes, you may not be a specialist in this, but you still feel like if you hand it over to somebody who's got a wealth of experience in this, you know, area that they're not going to do as good of a job as you. And, you know, as I, as I say that, it sounds ridiculous, but that's how it goes in our heads. We think, yes, you know, they're uh, someone who spent, you know, last 10 years working on social media, but I feel like if I hand over my social media to them, they're not going to do as good as a job as I do. Yeah. Um, so those are the things that, that run through our heads. Yeah, it's almost like I wish you could, uh, you know, and we can like choose to run through, run through your head and focus on like, I hire the best people. I'm so good at identifying who helps me and just and trust that more <laughs> than the, they'll never do it as good as I could kind of. Kind yeah. Of. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier you mentioned that what your father and grandfather presented you as what a, what a man is uh, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't work for you when you. I'm glad that you got to a point to recognize it wasn't working for you and try, instead of trying to force it to work for you. So I wonder mm-hmm. what you're teaching your sons about what, what the role of emotions for men. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. Cause this is, this is really what attracted to me and what you're doing is that the, you know, we're created to experience all our emotions and that's, that's what I've learned. And it's, it's hard for me because I have to, you know, be intentional. I can tell when I'm, I'm, you know, putting my, you know, emotions aside or trying to t- bury them. That's, that's always the temptation I have. And so making sure that, you know, I'm telling my children, hey, it's okay to feel these things. You know, I understand that you're sad and that's okay. Um, you know, are times when they're happy, like, Hey, let's, let's enjoy this. Let's rejoice together. Um, because I feel like we were created to feel all of these emotions. Um, and so, 
it's very, you know, I've, I've gotten to the place where it's unhealthy to say, no, this is not an emotion that you should feel. Um, you know, that you need to, we need to be okay with embracing these things and feeling these things. And sometimes you just need to sit, you need to feel that for a while so that you can, you know, and after feeling it for a while, you get to a better place and you say, okay, I felt that. That's good. Now let's move on and let's see, you know, what's next for us. And so really trying to instill that in my, my boys and making sure they grow up into men who are okay with their emotions and know that they were created in a way to feel these different things and that's okay. And being willing to express, express those. And, you know, when it becomes overwhelming for them, not being afraid to reach out and ask for help. Um, so I think those are the values I'm trying to instill, instill in my boys, you know, as they get older. And like I said, I've got to be conscious that I'm doing that mm. because my initial, you know, my initial reaction is to just, you know, put it aside, bury it down deep, not feel it, move on. Um, but I've got to learn myself that it's okay. You know, it's okay to feel these things. And it's good for me to feel these things because it shows my boys that I'm feeling them as well. And it's okay for a man to feel these things and acknowledge that these are emotions and they're good. And I might need to sit in them for a while. And so they have the freedom to be able to do the same thing. Cool. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm glad you kind of caught yourself. You were saying it's okay, but then you said it's good. No, yeah, right. It's more than okay. It, yeah. It's more than okay to feel. It's good, and and we need it. And you know, as you said, if if you stuff, if you deny at any level, it's gonna be felt. It's gonna show up as stress mm -hmm. or as disease or as distraction or as abuse. Just so many countless ways. But yeah, if 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 men and entrepreneurs could decide that the bravest, most manly thing they could do is sit with that sadness, with that mm -hmm. fear, with that grief, whatever it is that they've been resisting, and just feel it. Yeah. On the other side of, of every feeling we're avoiding is a peace, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're back to a, a true happiness and joy that we're, we're meant to feel all the time. But mm -hmm. if we're not willing to feel with the things that circumstances present with us moment by moment, then it all just builds up until we can't yeah. take it anymore. And then we're not even sure why we're freaking out or why are we so uh, terrified or anxious or, you know, um, we've got burnout, not just on a business level, but, you know, we, I, I found, you know, there was a time when I didn't think I, you know, had depression, suffer from depression. I thought, no, my identity, I am depression. So we don't want to mm -hmm. be, I am, you know, I wouldn't want to see anyone. I am burnout that they've gone so yeah. far. And, you know, <laughs> no, we are resilient. We are incredibly resilient beings. And mm -hmm. that resiliency increases when we're willing to feel whatever shows up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm glad you could recognize that and make <laughs> that leap yourself and, and really thrilled that you're consciously passing that on too. Cool. Yeah. So you talked a lot about different strategies and, and how you help um, your clients and, and your family. Is there a particular single habit practice book that, that helped you start or that you noticed a, an improvement right off the bat from that you want to share? Yeah. So one of the things that I tell people and I encourage people to do is what I call the weekly 140. And so that's just taking 20 minutes a day to care for yourself. You know, it, you know, a lot of times when, you know, I'm working, you know, our people are reading my stuff. If they're, you know, listening to me, they, they feel kind of overwhelmed of, oh, I've got to do all these things now. And I just, I want to be like, no, just slow down, you know, just take 
kind of small baby steps. And, and one of the first things I encourage people to do is that weekly 140. So taking 20 minutes out of your day to do whatever's going to help you you know, get to a better mental state. And so that could be exercise for 20 minutes. It could be, you know, breathe for 20 minutes. It could be, um, you know, it could be take a nap um, during the day, whatever it is, just start out, you know, 20 minutes a day, taking, be intentional about taking that time to focus on yourself and making sure that you're caring for yourself. So those kind of small steps um, of getting there. And then, you know, as you start to master that, okay, let's see other things that, that you might can add on and other areas of your life where you might can be intentional about moving there. But yeah, just kind of take those small steps. You know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, I don't want to put a, you know, I don't want to increase that anxiety in you by putting a lot more things on you that, that you have to start doing. So just kind of taking it slow and taking those small steps each day. And then, you know, as you get good at that and that starts to feel well, then see what are these other areas you can begin to work on as well. Cool. Cool. Um, I, I really want to thank you for your time sharing your personal journey, your very personal journey and, and, yeah. and the impact of, of, of family and business and, and your, uh, you, you know, what I see is your dedication to service. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it, I, ideally, like, <laughs> not ideally, all humans, we all go through challenges. And when we can mm-hmm. face them, rise above them, and then share how we did that with others, it, it, adds, it adds more value to our lives and that experience. It, it gives it a purpose and a meaning. And mm-hmm. instead of just feeling like, ah, everything sucks and now I have to deal with it, right? <laughs> we, we, we can all just turn that frown upside down and, you know, and, and put it to work. So, um, Stu, what's the, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and to learn more about the Unleashed Startup? Yeah, so you can visit my website, um, unleashedstartup.com. So just unleashed, U-N-L-E-A-S-H-E-D, startup.com. Or you can email me at stu, S-T-U, at unleashedstartup.com. And I'll be happy to answer any questions or, um, yeah, any, any other things you want to share with me. So those are the best places you can reach out. I'm on, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn. LinkedIn's where I'm most active, um, but also Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm on those platforms as well. Cool. Cool. So uh, we'll be sure and put it in the show notes at realmenfield.org in the blog post for this episode. We'll have all of Stu's contact info and including the bold move to just give out your email. So kudos (laughs) to you and uh, all the social media places that you can connect and follow and learn more and, uh, and help avoid your own burnout. Um, And again, especially at this time, you know, uh, I think we both want to stress just even if you physically are told to isolate wherever you may be living, don't mm-hmm. emotionally isolate. Right? Yeah. You can reach out. You still can have that community. You can have that connection and realize that, you know, whatever you're going through, uh, millions of people are going through it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, is, there are people that often we can lie to ourselves. No one will understand this. Like, no, this is actually something, you know, yeah. <laughs> with, with this whole COVID-19 thing, a lot of people, you know, they understand what you're going through. So mm-hmm. the, the fears, the apprehension, uh, the anxiety, don't let it get out of control. Yeah. And that, yeah. and the easiest way to do that is to be open about what it's doing, how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure, Andy. And I appreciate you and what you're doing and helping men, you know, embrace their feelings and letting them know that it's good to do that. You know, like I said, that's what we're created to do. And that's a good thing. So I really appreciate what you're doing for, for men out there. Uh, again, thank, thank you for those kind words. And yeah, it, it really has become my pleasure. I've, I think at times, uh, begrudgingly, oh, is there really anything more to talk about? What's the point of this? And I, I get such a, a rush from 
from from guests like yourself, from from the feedback I hear from listeners, and if if men, if more men were willing to share who they really are, the, the world would transform. Yeah, and that yeah, is just so such a belief of mine. Cool. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for everyone listening. Thank you, Stu, for joining us. Uh, go out there and feel. Transform your world, right? And it starts with take care of yourself. And I, I love just the, the attitude, the the idea of uh, you know uh, take a nap. Like what a what a great idea! Well, I can better myself by taking a nap. That's fantastic advice. So wherever you are, wherever you're discovering that real men feel, uh, please give us some feedback, give a share, a like, subscription, and until next time, be good to yourself. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.